on, everybody? Welcome to Podcast Revived, episode number eight. I am your host, as always, Shane Craig, and joining me is the lovely Jesse Craig. Hello. We have a little bit of a different show for you this time than usual. Normally, we've got, I don't know, like three or four segments to go over. Today, we're really going to have kind of one segment that is also kind of two segments, but it's kind of one segment. It's kind of two segments. I don't know. I'm confused now. I'm also confused. (laughs) That's a bad sign. But we've kind of... Look, there's not a lot going on right now in in the world of games, unfortunately. There's some things that, like, continued news stories, Epic, Apple, new consoles, um, Gamescom was just going, you know, showing off new games. But none of it really was like, oh, man, I got to talk about that. So we're going to kind of take a a left-hand swerve. And we're going to do something a little bit different. And I'm going to, we've been doing our top 10 games of the decade thing as well. And we're going to kind of like just roll that up into the one, the one talking point for today's episode. The world has ended as you know it. In the wake of the chaos and out of the ashes over hundreds of millennia has risen the snake world. Snake world is a harsh place and not for the weak of heart. Most snakes eke out a meager existence mining for snake gold to be minted at the almighty snake bank into snake chain. But there is a new epoch rising. Snake Rush is your favorite old school game revisited with a fresh take. Modern style and new game features allow you to collect wild mushrooms and unlock hidden bonuses while mining, adding up new snake skin and reaching new top scores. Snake Rush can be found in the Apple App Store and in the Google Play Store. As someone who grew up playing Snake on my mom's old Nokia phone, I miss playing that game, and honestly, this is the best modern take on it I have seen yet. Check out Snake Rush via the link in this episode's show notes or at snakerush.com. So usually we do the top 10 games of the decade countdown at the end of the show but this time I'm gonna I'm gonna move it up to the front I'm just gonna start with that and let it lead into what I want to actually talk about today so number seven on this list is Mass Effect 2 I don't think either mm. one of us played yeah. any of the Mass Effect <laughs> games but the, the thing I know most about the Mass Effect games in general is that uh, at the end Mass Effect 3 I guess uh, the conclusion to the story, apparently, no one liked. Apparently, it was bad. And really? The game had, it was one of these games that had these branching paths. You made a character, and you made decisions, and this decision might wind up getting this player, this character killed, and then that would change the story. Oh, crap. But apparently, in the end, none of it mattered. It all just led to the same ending regardless. Which kind of makes it like, what what was the point of that? What was the point of any of that? It was kind of yeah. just the illusion of choice for no reason. But... I mean, you're looking at Mass Effect 2 has a 96 meta score. I know. A lot of people like that game. A lot of people really love that game. A lot of people, when they talk about it, they talk about sort of the emotional interaction, the decision-making, the way that it pulls you in. The you know, characters. The, right. The way, yeah. you, the way you become engrossed and, 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 and pulled in to these characters. And that is kind of, in a roundabout way, what we're going to talk about on the rest of the show we're, we're 
we're seeing more and more games, you know, and it's gone back a while, but we've seen as the fidelity in games, the visual fidelity, the audio fidelity, the acting, the performance capture, the animations, as they improve and improve and improve, we're seeing more and more games that are, are trying to and succeeding in would maybe be the right way to look at it with telling emotional nuanced um, stories that dive into morality and in a game like Mass Effect where you can make a decision that gets a character killed how do you feel about that it alters the story from there on well I guess until the end when none of it matters <laughs> so I think that's that, besides the point I think though. the universe just like ended or something stupid like that really? it was like and then they all died it was something like that oh, I, you gosh. know whatever correct me if I'm wrong I personally I don't care I'm not gonna play the game yeah. anyways <laughs> but it was something like that um so those sorts of games and I think that we can both you know think of a few a few different you know, uh, examples of that. Oh, for sure. There is, I guess the the question here comes from an article on Polygon.com. And I'm actually, I'm just going to read a little bit of this article because it's going to kind of lay the groundwork for what I want to talk about for the, for the rest of this show, however long we, we, we can, we can talk about this. Um, so, Okay. It, this article reads, quote, Bemoaning the lack of tension in stories around black and white morality, many writers believe readers prefer the unpredictability of gray morality, which is in stark contrast to the clear objective morality in black and white tales. Then there's the gray morality of, and they put this in quotes, prestige games like The Last of Us Part Two and Bioshock Infinite. Featuring characters that are a menagerie of trauma and barely disguised flaws, never able to rise above their own worst impulses. Their personalities blend together like sloppy gray sludge. The good guys are bad, the bad guys may be good, or at least well-intentioned, and it's all, well, gray. Gray morality presents a worldview that states these two poles aren't that different, a perspective that actually widens the disparity in our fractured world. Our lives are already gray, and these shades seem to get muddier. They go on to, to compare this to ye olden days when, <clears throat> excuse me, Mario beats up Bowser because he's bad. He took, really? He took the princess. Okay, so, that that, so that's, that's black and white right there. Right. And they, they the headline of this article is, Games Need to Return to Black and White Morality. Whoa. So this person is, is, is stating a couple of things here. One, that... These games are bad for us in some sense. These okay. games where, where where the bad guys are... You can't just look at them and say, well, he's evil. Like, they're a human, they're a, char- they're, they're a deeper character. Okay. And then in some way, this is a problem. Like, like, the bad guys need to be more clearly bad. Okay, and the good guys need to be... More clearly white knight good characters. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree with that. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a long article, and obviously I'm, I'm gonna paraphrase, you know, a lot of this, because it's, it's a very long article, so I'll, I'll have the link to it in the, in the show notes in case you wanna, in case you wanna read it, but I, I think, though, that I disagree, and it's also I think that it's it's an inevitable, it's an inevitable place that we're going to wind up, right? Because the world 
isn't black and white. Right. And as as art mirrors reality, as it so often does, of course it's going to be not just black and white. Well, I think that that's taking a lot of... How can I say this? Let me put it this way. I think to say it like that, like, oh, it's bad for us, as if we're not going to understand the muddy black and white shades or whatever, you know, of morality, whatever. Like, we're, a lot of us who play video games, we're not stupid. I mean, we can tell when something's right or wrong. And I think the beauty of having games like that like, it makes us think a little bit more about it. Like, with The Last of Us, you know? That's the subtlety that it comes apparent that Joel is not a good guy. Right. Like, how quietly there, that became Is there a the good plot. guy in the entire game? Is there a good... Is Ellie? Tommy. Tommy's a good guy. Yeah, Tommy seems well, to no, seem to be... Well, he's really not, though. Apparently, he had a history, too. I forgot about that. That's true. <laughs> well, like, is is it just... But Ellie's a flawed character. Ellie, I think I think the point was that Ellie started out better than most people. And then the world has slowly... Right. ...taken its toll on her, as it does. Right. What is the benefit of telling stories that are morale that are in a morale sense that are that are morally simplistic like that where where it's obvious who's who? What's the benefit there? I don't know. If if so if if I were going to be trying sorry, I cannot speak. <laughs> if I were going to try and argue um you know this person's view, what I would say is that with this moral ambiguity or whatever it can be enticing to younger generations and it could be tempting for them to maybe behave like these people in the video games that are supposed to be the good guys but they're actually the bad guys and that that would be my argument for it but that it's it's just a more distilled version of an archetype that we're going to be tempted to behave in these ways superman is the embodiment of good you know not to get too 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 deep into things but you know you you have we all encounter someone in our lives that you know did a good thing and then that person who did a good thing maybe you share that story of that person who did a good thing with someone else and maybe that story gets retold over and over as it catches on and, and any bad thing about it gets completely cut off and then it's only good things and then mm-hmm. maybe it gets embellished and not only did he uh, give that homeless person that money that they needed, he also turned around and saved a person from being hit by a car um, right after that <laughs> and then, uh, you know, pulled his shirt open and it said Superman is ass on there and then he flew away and it, you know, things get passed along and distilled and added to until you, you wind up with you know, an archetypal embodiment of what a good person is. And maybe other stories, other people have seen other good people and they've seen their, their and those stories get repeated and eventually they get, that, and that's what this is. It's like Superman is, is every good story that's been told. Yeah. It's like, that's what superhero, <clears throat> excuse me, got a tickle on my throat. That's what every superhero is. They're an amalgamation of all the good stories that we can tell about what a good person is. That's fine. 
And if you're looking to a video game to teach you some sort of ethic or how to live, I guess that would be a thing to try and do. But that's not what all but video we, games are. But I feel like I feel like the author is really taking away a lot of good things that come from video games. I mean, what, so, what 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 website is this? It's, it's Polygon. That's a really weird stance to have because I feel like they're kind of dumbing down a lot of the the lessons that come with video games because I feel like I had read somewhere there was a study where people uh, who played video games had like like a higher chance of helping out people than like people who didn't play video games and it's because we inherently learn to help to play characters you know and really another thing that I wanted to point out too is that um no I lost my train of thought no I can't well okay so <laughs> we'll come back to that is <laughs> one thing I think about too here is that there that it's it's even to write a headline that simply says um games need to return to black and white morality that's such a difficult statement to even make because games run such a wide gamut Tetris is a game. Is there morality in Tetris? What's the moral of Tetris? All all blocks should take up the whole width of the screen. Is I that mean, the point? <laughs> I don't even. So I don't even know how to play Tetris. So I don't. A know lot of I'm... games, morality has nothing to do with. Yeah. So, so we have to distill this down to games that actually do have some sort of morality. Well, okay. I think I remembered my point. By the way. Um, feel like this author maybe wants a simpler black and white morality because of the world being fractured which it, it would help influence people to be like yeah it, it, it you provide a stronger archetype but we don't see that in life we, we don't see black and white so Correct. Why, why should we why should we use that in our games I'm using Superman as an example here in, in, in several places, but you could use, you, you can all think of different examples. Um, I'm going to use Lara Croft. Whether it's video game characters, superheroes, hell, even throw in religious archetypes if you want to, because they're, if you ask me, they're really not that different. This is going to sound, this is going to be super duper blasphemous to some people, but like Jesus and Superman are really not that far apart <laughs> in a lot of ways. So you're talking about, you know, the ideal of what a good person should be. They're self sacrificing, they want the greater good, they want the meek to to be lo- looked out for they want the, the the oppressive tyrants to be brought into line i mean these are very very similar sorts of things so if we narrow it down to games with stories need to have black and white morality you know maybe the thought here is that with a more black and white morality you you it, it does create not only a simpler thing for people to digest but it gives people a character to strive to be like. Okay. Even if you aren't religious, you could say, um, I, you don't even have to even believe that Jesus existed to be able to say, I would, I strive to be more like him in the sense that he, you know, did kind acts and was nice to people that other people shunned and, and, now I can respect that. I can respect that that point for sure. 
So maybe in a world that is very gray, and I, I, people get angry at me when I because I, I don't like to take stances on other human beings' motives in certain situations. You know, we've had you know, social upheaval, and this person did this thing because they're racist, or this person did this thing because they're uh, whatever, they're a, a fascist or whatever. This is all much more gray than any archetypal story or any any video game we can think of because human beings personally, like the concept of evil in general, I think only um, this is potentially a controversial statement, <laughs> but I think that it only really exists in stories. I think that evil is like Evil on some level has to just be supernatural. Almost. It has to come from nothing. Yeah. Like if 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 like nothing can justify it. Right. If like I'm born and from the time I'm little I'm I'm abused and I'm I'm taught I'm taught that pain is good. And that I should inflict the most pain I can when I'm when I'm strong enough to turn the tables. It will be my turn to inflict pain on others. You can teach people to be all sorts of ways. Does that make me evil at that point? I don't think it does. I think it makes me a warped human being that no longer fits in with society. And I think that most of these things, you know, you look at someone. Let's use an example like fucking Jeffrey Dahmer, right? Mm -hmm. Eight. You know what? He killed twenty four, twenty seven people or something, and ate a good deal of them, and you know, all these horrible things. Not excusing Jeffrey Dahmer in any way, shape, or form. Uh, not a good man. Deserved to be arrested. Should have been arrested way before. He killed people. Okay. Not a good guy. Okay. But there, there's good. There's bad, and then there's evil. Evil is a different thing. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer was a you know. Look at the circumstances. How did how did Jeffrey Dahmer get created? This man came from a broken home, a divorced home. He was drinking. People in school, when he was in middle school, high school, knew he was getting drunk at school. No one tried to help him. No one reached out to him. Dealing with repressed homosexual thoughts and urges. No one to talk to. No one to help him. Uh, fantasizing about... You know, he couldn't bring himself to admit that he was gay, so he couldn't approach someone outright. So he fantasized about just laying next to someone, you know. So then he took it the next step, and he knocked someone unconscious because he just wanted to lay next. You can you can walk through this step by step and see is this the is this the development, the germination, the budding and flowering of evil, or is this is this a poorly evolved brain pulled out of a chimpanzee? slowly spiraling out of control in relation to our social our, 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 our social contracts that the, the society the cultures that we live in there's been societies and cultures forever wherein human sacrifice was not weird no and it wasn't evil it was that evil right it, 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 there are there are social rules that we've come up with there's a life is a game. And there's a, there's a goal in this game that most of us have, and it's just to maximize well-being. It's, I want the best well-being, the most well-being and the least suffering for me and mine, 
you want that for you and yours. And if we all cooperate, we have a goal in mind. And now we can experiment and determine what gets us there. I'm going to cut off this guy's head and roll it down these stairs so that it rains tomorrow. Is That's that, good for everybody. Will that bring me more well-being? Oh, I did it, and it didn't fucking rain. And I just killed a guy. That was yeah. not worth it. Well, let's try something else now. It's not good and evil. Life is not constructed in that in that regard. At least, it's, you know, look, if you're... People can have their own thoughts on this. There are clearly people who are going to disagree with this sentiment wholly and are going to probably think I'm some fucking evil person for even... They probably already do since yeah. you were like not calling Jeffrey Dahmer like a psycho evil maniac. I mean, yeah, possibly. Again, Jeffrey the, Dahmer, bad guy. No, I'm just saying that's <laughs> like that's like the norm for but it's, people. But it's it's reductive, it's lazy and it's not it's not detailed enough. It's also not good enough to prevent reductive. other people. Did I say deductive or reductive? You said reductive. Okay. Well, reductive is what I meant. Yeah. That no, you said okay. reductive. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, okay. What? I don't know what I was just about to say. I think I had to do. Oh yeah. Okay. So, speaking of you know, you know what what's what's best for me and mine. Is that morally gray when you compare it to what's best for the world? I don't think it has to be because I I think that um, so let let's I think if ever. You can get to most well-being for the most people with everyone acting selfishly. You, th you think so? Yeah, I think that there's. I think I think that we all already do it. I would so say. Here, here, I would say no. Here's how though. So, um, if you said Shane, why don't you lie, cheat, and steal and hurt people every day of your life? I'd say. Well, I got a lot of reasons, but if I gave you the most selfish reason that could still justify that behavior, I could selfishly not do any of those things. I want to live in a world where people don't lie and cheat me and That's hurt true. me yeah. every day. Yeah. So I'm going to not do those things and hope that people don't, the people in turn pay me the same respect. Right. That is a selfish act on my part. That will actually maximize the well-being for not just me, but those around me. Okay. Yeah. But I'm doing it for me. It's going to help you, too. Look, if we all do this, we're all going to be better off. Mm -hmm. But I'm the one I care about right now in right. this scenario. So, some of my favorite morally gray um, story arcs and games, you know, we talked about Joel being kind of the bad guy. He selfishly kept ellie alive for him because that was let's, best for him let, let, let's explore this so like full fucking spoiler alert for the last of us full fucking spoiler alert now turn back if you haven't seen it the end of the game we're talking about it ellie has an infection from the fungus a fungal infection would be a way to say that that doesn't sound like i'm <laughs> <laughs> fucking mentally challenged. I like that better. <laughs> the fungus. The fungus has infected her brain. I mean, essentially, it's what happened. And she is immune to it. There's some mechanism in her body that is allowing the fungus to exist in her brain, but isn't taking her over, isn't turning her into these monsters that have been destroying the world. In order to extract the cure, potentially... I don't think that it's really stated that they're like, yes. It'll work. 100% this will work. But it could. This could save the world, though. This could be the cure. If, but it's going to kill her 
in order for this to work. We're going to have to extract her brain. All right. That's one side of this. Sacrifice one girl for the potential cure for the world. On the flip side, Joel, who in the epilogue not only witnessed his daughter's painful, slow death at the hands of some idiot soldier following orders, he's already watched her die, and now he's bonded with Ellie through a series of traumatic events, which traumatic events can, can, if you want to accelerate the bonding process... That's trauma, how you do it. Trauma is the way to go. Trauma. He comes to realize that he's going to lose his surrogate daughter for the possibility of a cure. And he decides that that's not going to fly. And he takes her back, murders several people to get her back because they're standing in his way. Ostensibly, if no one had stood up and said, no, you can't take her, probably nobody would have died. He probably, right. probably would have just taken her. So... I don't know if you can really throw that in or not. He did kill those people, or you did if you played the game. But he took her anyways, thereby removing the possibility of a cure, but definitely saving one life. Mm -hmm. I think that in and of itself is morally a gray situation, because if it was 100% a cure, now you've saved one life for millions of Mm -hmm. people. But saving one life for a possible... What is it? 50-50? So you flip a coin and it lands on tails and Ellie dies and no no good comes of it? Well, that's that that's bad. Yeah. So in that situation, is the maximally good thing to do to do the thing that you know will preserve the most lives? Maybe it wouldn't have worked and he did save the most possible lives by saving Ellie. Interesting. Maybe it would have worked, and he saved the far fewer amount of lives. He did also kill some incredibly smart doctors, too. He did. Yeah. He did. But again, if they, I feel like if they had to just let him the, go. The last, the last of the... The last doctor. The, the last I'm doctors. the last doctor on Earth. I mean, medically trained, probably. Could have been. Um. So before we move on, because this is another one I wanted to talk about. It's very similar to The Last of Us, but far fewer people have played this. Um. Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking. <laughs> life is strange. I almost said a strange life. That's not <laughs> kind of there, but it's not. It is wow. Strange the, life. The carb coma has really messed yeah, with my we head. Had, we we had a lot of pizza. <laughs> a lot of pizza. a lot of pizza, and then I kind of took a nap. So, uh, life is strange. You have a very similar situation. Spoiler alert for everybody. I hope. I hope nobody has played this game and hasn't gotten this far. Um, At the end of that game, you have a very similar choice. You can either save a city of people or you can save your best friend. Um, And the entire game leading up to it is you're playing as Max. And Max has the ability to rewind time. She also, um, in this game, you're expected to choose certain answers to dialogue or you know Mm -hmm. you can say certain things you can investigate different things different ways it's it's choice based too and every choice that you make actually leads you to one of two conclusions but there are multiple things that can happen in those conclusions and it's really 
really well written. I mean, there are multiple timelines that she ends up creating and can kind of float around in based off of some of the decisions that she's made. And at the end of the game, you have to make that choice. You can either save your best friend Chloe, who from the beginning of the game, it seems, was destined to die. And if she doesn't die, then due to the butterfly effect, weird stuff like that, if she doesn't die, this whole city is going to have to die in order for the balance to remain mm. the same, you know? One life for the city life. Right. Or One life that you are yeah. personally invested in for the lives of the faceless masses. Right. There's a study that was done where this is actually, uh, I can't cite the study, but basically here's how it works. If I tell you that there is there's a a young boy in Africa and for it, and he, they need they need monetary help and i show you his picture and i tell you his name let's say you're willing to donate 10 dollars okay if i then tell you um look it's actually it's actually worse than that he's got a sister too most people when you think about it, you think Oh, well, that's worse. Maybe they give more money. In studies that have been done, you actually care less. <laughs> really? Because there's two of them. It, there's something about the way that our brains... If, if I tell you, if, if you hook up you know, polygraph and you watch the resistivity of, of your skin, your perspiration, all these sorts of physiological reactions, and I show you one person, one, you, one kid that's suffering... You will react very strongly. That's if I if I tell you the story of a hundred such kids in the same situation, the reaction will actually be less. Well, they're suffering together, so it's, they're they'll be okay. It's an evolutionary response, though. That like, if I cared about every suffering kid at the maximal level all the time, I'd lose my mind. There's so much suffering. That if you show me one suffering thing, I can, I, I can, I've got only so much care to give, and I can give it all to this kid. But if you show me a hundred kids, it now gets spread out amongst the hundred kids, and I barely care about and any like, of them. Oof, oof. You're yeah. like, I can't even. It's too much. Yeah. And and something like that, you don't see the faces of the people in the city. You just well, you do. Not all in of this them. game. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. That's actually one beautiful thing about the game, which I was going. They're to trying bring to up. counter that effect. They're trying to let you know these more of these right. people. Because if it was just like the city folk, you'd be like, "Well, yeah. fuck them." Yeah. So you have to know them. I'm glad you brought that up because that is something I was going to mention too. Is that <laughs> the, when I played it the first time, I said, "I'm sorry, Chloe. I love you, but." I'm not going to let this whole city die over here. I got right. <laughs> to save all these people. And then after that, after I saved the city and I realized that, oh, Chloe's dead now and we're all living without her. And it shows a really beautiful scene with a beautiful song. Shows everybody going to her funeral and life kind of picking up after everything. And, and you can just tell that, you know, Max is just destroyed. Like, I had this gut-wrenching, oh, my God, I made the wrong choice mm. feeling. Because I was like, she's dead. Like, for real, she's gone yeah. for good. Yeah. And I am still trying to make it through to the end of the game to 
choose her instead of the city to see what will happen. But I was really shocked at myself for making that decision. But then I was like, well, no, it's better for everybody. So here's the so to get back to the, the topic at hand, we've talked about what the good thing would be for keeping things black and white simple. What's the negative for telling these sorts of stories? What what what's the harm here? I'm gonna tell you what I think. I think if you keep everything simple, then you start to think, Oh, well, anybody that opposes, you know, me because I'm I'm seeing myself as the good guy, this is the bad guy. If I'm gonna, you know, immerse myself in that kind of a perception, then I'm gonna start seeing as anybody who opposes me as being bad. And whatever I do to stop them can be justified as being good. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a possibility of of that. I think that, like I said earlier, people get frustrated with me when I won't just immediately condemn people until I have all the facts. I'm more than happy to condemn Jeffrey Dahmer, um, but I'm I'm not happy to say. He was born with an evil demon in his in his brain. You know, a yeah. series of events led to a series of negative events and potential genetic, um, you know, maybe propensities toward mental illness and things like this. All the things that happened in his life, they're all the recipe for it's an accumulation what of of things that have happened. And so, when something someone does something bad. I don't want to just jump to the conclusion. It's it's lazy to just say, oh, well, they're just evil. And, and it's what we do as a society. If you're, if, you're, if you're a conservative, then it's like, those fucking liberals are just... Maybe you don't say they're evil, but they're bad. Mm-hmm. They're all bad. They're reductively so bad. There's nothing good about them. And if you're a liberal, then you probably feel the same way about yeah. conservatives. And nothing ever gets accomplished that way. Well, the they, enemy is always evil, and I'm always the hero yep. of my story. And the enemy always wants to destroy everything that you know and love, too. That's another thing that comes up a lot. My fear in not exploring morally gray stories is that we are going to lose... We are losing right in front of our very eyes the ability to differentiate between the the many levels and 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 degradations of good and bad behavior right we're losing the ability to to look at someone who committed a bad act and to see anything redeeming about them because some some otherwise good people accidentally or 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 through a series of events do something bad and if it wasn't something like i don't know eating 24 people you should be able to redeem yourself to be redeemed through mm-hmm. your through good works through through well, that, yeah a redemptive process that's a really you good sh- point you should be able to to work off the debt that you incurred through your bad behavior right. so long as it's not so great a bad act that you're no longer because I think that we would all agree that if you 
you know, murder a bunch of people, then you probably don't, you probably shouldn't get to just live in the society with the rest of us because you've demonstrated that you're a danger to those around you. I, personally, I don't think that you execute people because an eye for an eye. I, I think that it's more along the lines of if you can't play by the rules we've established, you don't get to live on this planet anymore. You get deleted. You get deleted. You're, you're no longer part of this. Another, another point to add to that too is I think that if we get rid of these stories we lose a chance to like self-reflect because we can play these video games where you have the choice to murder the nurses or you know whatever or you whatever get to, you get to act these things out but that's then you the beauty get to, of stories but then you get to sit there and be like well why why did I choose to go that hard in the paint you know yeah why 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 did I go why did I choose why did me, Jesse, choose the city to save instead mm-hmm. of Chloe. Right. You know, and why would Shane choose Chloe instead of the city or what have you, you know? I think that we we run the risk of not Yeah, it's almost like practice. Yeah. I think that as we as we as we teach philosophy and theater and things like that we focus on them less and less in our societies i think we do ourselves a great disservice because that's how you let me rephrase this there is a difference between a hard drive which contains data and an operating system that knows how to interpret the data right we teach retention of information. We do not teach how to decode the world around us and think about it lucidly and, and to, to work out how to interact and how to interface in the world around us. Right. And video games, more so than even movies, movies can, 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 can go over these things and can really make you think deeply and can really push you but video games are unique because they put you in that character's shoes you yeah, live as them you're you're immersed in it they're you're your behaving. avatar yeah and so video games are uniquely positioned to to <laughs> for better or worse to teach us in philosophical ways go back and play spec ops the line or something you know something like that or you know this article mentions bioshock infinite i would say I that, would, that was a weird one to bring up but i do i i like that one i would probably say go back and play the original bioshock yeah. more than bioshock infinite, infinite was kind of watered game. down but. but you know these games allow you to to not just think about things in this philosophical way it sneaks it in there. Mm-hmm. You don't even realize it's happening. And it allows you to do something that... Look, you could think this is dangerous if you want, I guess, but I kind of don't. Something that is horrible about today's society is that no one is allowed to try out a position. Yeah. You're not allowed to... Uh, you know, I'm not going to be specific here, but there's been a recent news story where someone winds up shooting three people and killing two people. And the narratives are wild. There are, there are narratives on the far ends of both sides of the spectrum. Either this person is a racist murderer or they're the embodiment of what a, a good American should be. Which is insane how far apart they are. 
no one is allowed to do this. No one is allowed to sit down and say, well, let's think this through. Let's, let's try our best to understand this kid, to put myself in his head, and to try and actually think about the... Let, let's think about three different things that could have motivated him to come to this place. Let's think of three different things that could have caused violence to, to, to happen. Let's actually think through this and talk it out. I, I'm going to say possible scenarios that could have happened that I might not even think happened, but I just want to explore them because we don't know what happened completely and, and it would help all of us to be able to Understand. Talk, to talk it out. Yeah. Figure out what went wrong here. But we're not allowed to do that. You and have in video to pick games, a side and stay on a side. And in, in, in a game, you can try out positions that are that are that are starkly bad. You can kill an innocent person, and then you can stop and think, "Ooh, I, I don't like the way that felt." Yeah. You know, in The Last of Us, when I killed the doctor and the two nurses, and the credits rolled, and I thought. Oh, I didn't. I didn't I need to, to do, do that. that. That was that was fucked up that mm-hmm. I just did that. You can look at that and say, "Well, yeah," but then for some fucking psychopath, it's like, "Ooh, I killed that innocent nurse." Huh? I'm, I'm, and just fucking get all happy about it or yeah. some shit. You know, <laughs> I guess that could be a thing that happens, but I really don't think that's super common. I think that what is more than likely to happen. For people who have been taught how to be introspective and how to think about these things in, in, a, in a way that's meaningful, you're going to sit back and you're going to think about what that meant and was it worth it and how would I react in a real-life situation like that. And it might make you a deeper, more introspective, more thoughtful person mm-hmm. if you choose to play them the right way. There is a chasm between Super Mario World and The Last of Us. And for someone to say that the morality system presented in Mario, where a plumber fights a turtle dragon over a princess, is superior (laughs) to what is presented in The Last of Us, which is one of the most morally ambiguous and gray games I've ever played. But it's been years, six, seven, Mm -hmm. more, eight, I don't know, a long time ago now. And I can still ruminate about that game and the scenes that, that, that happened in that game and how they make me feel. The, 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 the guy whose little brother becomes infected and he has to shoot oh his own brother God. and his response is to shoot himself. Yes. Is there a more impactful, more gut punch of a scene that I've ever played in a game before? I, probably not. That scene... But, but then you stop and you think... Yeah. Okay, it's wrong to kill yourself. But that's... Put yourself in this person's yeah. shoes. He has no one. He's that was had his to just family. kill his own brother so that he wouldn't, you know, hurt anyone else. Look at what he would have to have lived with. You know, if you can't put yourself in that situation, if you can't think that through and, and try and empathize with this character, I would say that you are the greater danger to the world around us because mm-hmm. you're demonstrating a a, a a wild inability to empathize with the people around you. Mm-hmm. And if you fail to empathize with people on that level, you are likely to hurt the people around you because you don't evidently value them as other thinking sentient things. Which is kind of what comes across from this article. I don't want to have to think about 
whether or not other people are valuable. Yeah. Tell me that he's evil, and then I'll go vanquish him. And I don't want to have to think about any of this other right. shit. And that's... that's oh. You're not preparing people for the real world around yeah. them. Art is not just to look at and to say, ooh, pretty art. Art should make you think. It should make you feel. It should, mm-hmm. uh, And it should dig up uncomfortable things because doing that is an exercise and it teaches you how to dig up uncomfortable things and how to deal with them how to process how to parse and process and how to transmute that into wisdom that will show you a better way forward Mm -hmm. so you know look i I tried to steel man this argument in the beginning of how black and white archetypal characters can be useful and they can be but that's like our first worst attempt at storytelling it's childish. Mm-hmm. It's basic. And if you're a child, tell your child childlike stories. Mm-hmm. And as they get older, let them graduate to shit that's going to make them yep. think. And if you're afraid that your kid's going to think the wrong shit, then I don't know. There's been a failing somewhere else along the line. Well, it, you, you know, you wouldn't be the first parent to feel that way. So I, I just feel like you're also going to... We're going to wrap this up because those are some incredible points. And I don't want to... I don't want to end on my stupid ones, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we still have a lot of stories left to tell. For sure. And for me, like, I grew up playing those, you know, good versus evil kind of games, but also grew up playing Lara Croft. You know, she's she's kind of a mass murderer. Nathan Drake's a mass murderer. I love playing as him. And I I remember playing that game where that was not the intention in the first game for that to be the narrative. And I was like... I have killed like killed fifty so men. Many people, so many people. <laughs> Just in this one scene, I have killed fifty you men. You didn't know their name. You barely saw their right. face. They yelled at you. They shot at you first. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's ways. They to, were after my treasure. You don't think about it. That doesn't belong to me. My treasure that I stole. Um, but we we have so many, so many more stories that we're gonna have to play as. And some of my favorite games have all included this morally gray story you've got the walking dead with lee and clementine yeah you know uh shadow of the tomb raider is my most recent one that i've really enjoyed well so like i said i'm going to link to this article in the in the show notes i 100 percent did not um you know deep dive into this article I did not pick apart its every point and its every thought. I more just took the general intro crux and and kind of stopped there. So if you want to read the article and see what they're getting at and, and try on that position, feel free to do so. I don't want this to feel like an attack or a response necessarily to that article. It's more of of just just that title position basically so so do yourself a favor and check it out it's well written and it's it's a it's a it's a, a pretty a pretty good article just there something good to points think about in there too just something to definitely think about mr frost is one of those fortnite players who does things my brain can't comprehend you know those people who can spin in a circle and build a functional building complete with windows and doors if you gave me a couple of minutes i could maybe get four walls up Clearly this guy has put in the time to produce these sorts of skills on Fortnite and that's the kind of dedication he's putting into Twitch. 
His channel is growing nicely now and he's aiming to become a Twitch partner as soon as possible. Go help Mr. Frost out on his journey and enjoy some high-level Fortnite gameplay. Are you looking for a good laugh and a great time? Then look no further and head over to twitch.tv slash mrfs the number zero t and join in on all the action for the latest and greatest. Mr. Frost, the coldest player in the game. You can also find a direct link on our Friends of SIL blog at scaryifliteral.com and in the show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you to today's two sponsors. A game you can find on the Google Play Store as well as the Apple App Store, Snake Rush. Definitely check out Snake Rush. Who doesn't like Snake? I love Snake. Snake is awesome. I also like snakes. And they, I'm glad that people are still trying to keep that game that game type going. So definitely go check that out. As well as Twitch streamer Mr. Frost. He's a, a very, as I said in the ad, he's a great Fortnite player. If you're in those Fortnite games, you know, go check that out. He's one of these people that can build. I can't build. I will never be able to build. <laughs> he's one of those... One of those building guys. A lot of respect for those people. You can find links to all that stuff in the show notes. Mr. Frost also has a blog post on scaryofliteral.com and the Friends of SIL link up there at the top. If you go to scaryofliteral.com, you can find links to our YouTube channel, which we just crossed 1,500 subscribers about three days ago, two days ago. I don't remember. Time flies. So uh, thank you if you follow us on, if you if you have subscribed, I guess I should say, on YouTube. Thanks for doing so. Lots of great content coming there. We're probably going to start streaming gameplay on Facebook exclusively and, and leaving the YouTube channel kind of to my more tech-related videos. So you can find our Facebook page on the website as well. So go give the Facebook page a like. It's kind of just a fledgling thing, but um, it is there. Twitter as well. Go follow us on Twitter. We do interact with, with fans on Twitter, and we get ideas for show uh, topics and so forth on there as well. So... Let's wrap things up. Thank you for joining me today, Jesse. My name is Shane. This has been Podcast Revived, and until next time, stay nerdy, my friends.